So this week, in order to keep the theme going, I had planned on tap dancing the entire sermon. And then I remembered there's carpet up here. So I've had to switch that right at the last minute. Uh, much to everybody's delight. Yes. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came, took them all away. So shall be the coming of so shall the, son, the coming of the Son of Man be. There shall be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day the Lord, your Lord, is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his whole house to be broken into. For this reason, you be ready too, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. Father in heaven, I do pray that you'll speak to us in ways that we'll be encouraged to respond and to change, to be prepared for the day of your coming. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For the past several weeks, I have been living in the shadow of July 29th, 1985. Before July 29th, which is a week from Monday, a lot of things have to get done. Before July 29th, I have to finish writing my second crystal novel. Jan and I are writing a series of novels for teen girls, and uh, we're in volume two, or the second book, and I have to get 14-year-old crystal off of that high mountain cliff in the woods, looking down upon that abandoned gold mine that I left her at last night. And I have to get it done, chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10. Well, just 8, 9, and 10 before July 29th. I have two articles I need to write for Sunday Digest, and they have to be finished sometime by at least this Wednesday. I have to get all the worship services scheduled out and designed and arranged for the month of August when I'm going to be away on vacation, and I need to do that this week. I have to paint the living room and the dining room sometime this week and wash all the windows because they're horrible. I have to remember and pack up the power saw and a baseball mitt and my pool cue. 
I don't want to forget to take those on vacation. Besides all of the other kinds of things that need to get done. You see, July 29th, 1985 is that marvelous day that I get to get on the airplane and fly back to Idaho and see Jan and Aaron and spend some time there in vacation. Sometimes one day in our life seems to cast a shadow on everything else that we do. And that's all right for those short-term things. But in the long term of life, the only day that casts the shadow that determines our daily events is the day that the Lord will return. That's the day that as believers should be so, so much a part of our everyday life that it affects everything we do. The Lord is coming back. And He wants us to be prepared. He wants us to go out and get prepared for that final day. In Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 13, Jesus is getting ready for just the last few days of his life. And he's entering into Jerusalem again, and his disciples say to him, now where do you want us to have Passover at? And maybe you'll remember the account where he says, now I'd like for you to go and prepare, are the words that he uses, go and prepare for Passover. And he gives them some instructions. They're to go to the city, to see, to the well, to see a man who has a, a jar of water and carrying it. And as he carries it back, follow him and ask the master of that house for a room. And there in that room, prepare for Passover. And it says in that passage, after he commanded them to go and prepare, it says, and they found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared for the Passover. Now, it seems to me that's exactly what Jesus has done with you and me. Not preparing for the Passover, but preparing for the day of the Lord. He has told us to go and prepare for that day. He has given us some detailed instructions, just like He told the disciples exactly who they should follow and where they should go. But that passage says that the disciples prepared for the Passover. And I believe it is our job to prepare for the Lord's return. He's got everything ready, just like He said, and He'll wait for us to get prepared. What do we need to prepare? First of all, we need to get our spirits ready. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 16, Jesus said, Repent therefore, or else I am coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Repent, he said. If we want to get our spirits ready for the day of the Lord, we need to repent. To repent means to turn around and go the other direction. To admit that we need to repent is to admit that we have been going the wrong way. Whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a habit, whether it's in, in our whole lifestyle, it's to admit that the direction we're going is wrong. And it's to turn around and head the other direction. If we want to get our spirit ready for the day of the Lord, we have to repent. And we have to continually look at our life and examine and see if repentance is required. To get our spirit ready, we also have to make sure that we have armed ourselves with salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. 
But since we are of the day, that is the day of the Lord, since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet and the hope of salvation. Obviously, no one is ready for the day of the Lord unless they have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Unless there's been some time in their life when they have asked Him to come in. There's been some time in their life when they have admitted that they cannot achieve a relationship with God and entrance into heaven on their own strength alone. Paul is reminding his friends at Thessalonica that you need to be armed with the hope of salvation when you're waiting for that day of the law. A third thing you can do to have your spirit ready is to be at peace. Peace with God, which comes through that relationship of Jesus Christ, and having the peace of Jesus Christ, which comes as we yield ourselves daily to Him as our Lord and our Master. There are several places in Scripture that tell us that it's possible while we wait for that day of the Lord, and as it comes closer and closer, it's possible for us not to have that peace. Mark 13, 11 says, don't be anxious about those days of waiting. Revelation 1, 17 says, don't be afraid at the coming of the Lord. Luke 21, 9 even is more specific. He says, don't be terrified about what's happening as you wait for the day of the Lord's return. We should get our spirit ready by being at peace. And fourth, we need to get our spirit ready by being in prayer. We need to pray for Jesus to come quickly. Revelation 22.20 says, Have we prayed for Jesus to come quickly? Probably not since we went to the dentist last. Right? And yet it says, Pray for Him to come quickly. And the Scriptures say, Pray for strength to escape all that will come on this earth before He comes back. Luke 21.36 Pray for the strength to make it through the waiting. In fact, that's exactly what is said in Matthew 24, 20, when the Lord says, pray that all of that waiting and those hard times may not be in winter because it's going to be tough enough without the elements against you too. To get our spirit ready, we need to repent, we need to ask Christ in our life. We need to be at peace with God. We need to be in prayer for Christ's return. Then we need to get our mind ready also. To get our mind ready, we need to begin to recognize the signs of the times. Matthew 24, 33 says, Even so you too, when you see all these things, recognize that He is near, right near the door. We need to have a mind that is alert to what's going on in our world. I don't think anyone who's properly prepared for Christ's return can be isolated from what's happening in the world. You have to watch the news. You have to read the newspaper. You have to read the magazine. You have to know what's happening in this world because the signs are right out there. And you're going to miss them all with your head in the sand. We have to get our minds ready and recognize the signs of the time. Second, we must make sure our mind does not get shaken from the biblical witness. 2 Thessalonians 2.2 2, That you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us. Paul again is reminding his friends about end times and saying, don't be led to something other than what I have already told you is true, what you know to be true in Scripture. 
Boy, talk about a large amount of literature in our day and our age. We could find it about what's going to happen in the life to come. We could find it in, in just predicting the day of the Lord. There is all sorts of things written and all sorts of things talked about, and Paul says don't be shaken by any of that stuff, but come right back to Scripture and don't be led away from what you know is true in the Bible. We need to get our minds ready by not following after false Christ. Matthew 24, 33, Jesus said in warning His disciples, Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there He is, do not believe Him. You're not going to have any doubt when Christ returns. Somebody's, somebody is always worried about, what if Jesus returned and I didn't know it? The Scriptures say you'll know it. You won't have to debate, could this be the Christ? You'll be on your knees when He comes down through the cloud. And no one will have to convince you of it. That's why Jesus says, don't listen to them when they say, this is the Christ, here He is or there He is. We need to get our mind ready. It also, Matthew 24 says, by not letting our love grow cold. Now, why did I put that under mind? Because love is an act of the mind. How do you keep your love for each other and your love for Christ and your love for, for serving Him going? You keep it going by deciding in your mind to keep it going. Not by feelings. If your mind's ready for Christ's return, you're continually choosing to love others and Christ and His gospel and His church and His coming. It also says we can get our minds ready by doing away with, well, I like this verse, Luke 21, 34, talking about end times. Be on guard that your hearts may not be weighted down with dissipation. Now, you read dissipation, you say, okay, I don't have any dissipation. I don't know what it means, but I don't have any of that. And that really means squandering. Don't let your hearts be weighted down with dissipation or drunkenness. Maybe you feel like, oh, no problem there. I can do away with those too. And then he says, this is Jesus speaking, and the worries of life. Do away with squandering drunkenness and the worries of life. If you want to get your mind ready for Christ's return. The worries of life. Weighting us down. Tying us up. We need to do away with those to have our mind ready. So we have our spirits ready and our minds ready and then we need to get our bodies ready. Kind of interesting what he says about that. He says, straighten up and pay attention. It's right there in Luke 21, 28, talking of end times. But when you see these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He wants us also to use what gifts that he has given us. Matthew 25, 15. Remember that parable talking of end times that he had given five talents to one and ten talents to one and one talent to another, and all he expected was them to use the talents that he had given them. While we're waiting for Christ's return, our body should be busy using all those gifts and ministries that God's given us. What else should our body be doing? Well, our body should not be running around the world looking for Jesus. Matthew 24, 26. 
If therefore they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go forth, or behold, he is in the inner room, do not believe them. Now, you know, I say that because about what? About every year, maybe every two years, we read of some famous person, usually a, a movie star, they seem to be susceptible to both the press and also to such things, as jumping in a jet, flying around the world to find a religious leader that will guide them. And here's a scripture that says, don't be going all around looking for Christ or his return or some spiritual help from a new guru. Get your body ready by doing the work that God's given you to do instead of chasing after every person who claims to be a prophet. The scriptures also tell us we are not to be spiritually asleep. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Again, talking about end times. Spiritually asleep. I think falling into spiritual slumber is easier than physical slumber. And you know how easy it is to fall asleep on a warm, sunny Sunday morning in church. But he's talking about spiritual slumber. It's just as easy to just fall asleep. Those spiritual disciplines that we work so hard at at some time in our life, whether it be the study or the prayer or the Bible memory or the faithful attendance or the Bible study or the growth in Christ, all of those things just start to fade away and we drift through our spiritual life. And our body's not ready for Christ's return. We need to hang in there. Revelation 3.11 says, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your hand, take your crown. Now, how do we get our friends ready? Well, you know, spiritual sleep must really happen because in Revelation 3.2, Jesus said, wake up and strengthen the things that remain. And one of the things I think we can do for our friends is to wake up ourselves, but to strengthen not only our own faith, but go about strengthening other people's faith as well. One of the ways we can strengthen them is by seeing that they are faithful in the disciplines of holiness as well. That they are faithful in the study and the prayer and the worship together. Do you remember that famous, I mean, it's a verse that we've all memorized in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, that we should not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And well, how does he conclude the verse? As is the habit of son... And so much so as we see the day approaching. The writer of Hebrews is saying not only should we be faithful in worship, but we should be even more faithful the closer we get to the Lord's return. We can strengthen one another by helping them be faithful in worship as well. An interesting passage of Scripture about reaching out to others comes in Luke chapter 14, verse 15, following. Jesus is teaching there the, the parable of the uh, slighted invitation. You remember the account of how that uh, the king was going to give a feast and invitations had been sent. You might remember how that in those days, uh, the invitations went out a little different than in our days. The invitation went out and it was sort of open-ended. It said, on such and such a day, we are going to have this great feast, but we will send somebody over to your house and let you know when the hour is. 
because we don't know when we're going to get it all ready yet. And so you would get ready and you would wait for somebody to come to your house and tell you, now's the time, everything's ready, come on. And so in the parable as Jesus teaches that, um, the king got everything ready and he sent out the messenger and said, go tell all of those I invited earlier that now's the time. And you remember one by one, they have an excuse. But those are the ones that are invited. How do we reach out and get our friends ready for the return of the Lord? We need to invite them to know Christ. We need to invite them. But most of those had an excuse. And they didn't come. And so Jesus sent those messengers back out again. And the second time he sent them out, do you remember what he said? He said, I want you to go into all the remote areas. I want you to go to even those that have handicaps, to the blind, the lame, to, to those that normally don't get invited to the king's banquet. I want you to go to all of those that are outcasts. And he didn't say invite them. The second time he said, bring them. There are some friends that you invite, but they have so many excuses for your invitation that they're never going to come. There are others that you bring Get him by the arm. Say, come on with me. And he did just that. And they came to the banquet. But there weren't enough people yet. And so I sent out the, the uh, messengers a third time. And he said, now I want you to look for everybody that somehow we've missed. We've invited all of those that are our close friends. And some came, but most had excuses not to. We have brought all of those others outcasts that we normally don't invite. Now look for anybody that we've missed, wherever they're hiding, wherever they're at. And what did he say the third time? He didn't say invite them to come. He didn't say bring them. He said compel them. Get behind and push them. And don't give them any choice. I want them here. How do we get our friends ready? We invite them and we bring them and we compel them until they come to Christ. We need to get our friends ready for his return. We need to get the world ready as well. We know those scriptures, even though we might not be actively doing them. We know that the Bible tells us to preach the gospel to the whole world, to preach the gospel to every creation. And we should be doing just that, to get our world ready for Christ's return. We also know from Matthew chapter 25 that we need to feed the hungry, that we need to welcome the strangers, that we need to clothe the naked, that we need to visit the sick and go to those in prison. That's how we get this world ready for Christ's return. We know from Matthew chapter 28 that we need to not only preach the gospel, but stay with those who hear the gospel long enough that they become faithful disciples. For the scriptures say we are to make disciples of all nations. You see, we live in the shadow of that coming day. I think it could be true. You could call Christians people of the book waiting for the day. That's who we are. Last week, I did not play golf. I didn't play tennis. I didn't even ride a horse. I didn't have dinner at Fuddruckers. 
I didn't buy one of Mrs. Fields' chocolate chip cookies. And I wanted to do all of those things. But I was too busy. I was typing on a book. I was doing counseling to church. I was doing all of those other chores that need to get done before July 29, 1985. You see, before that day comes, I've got a lot of things to do. And it influences my everyday routine. Jesus is coming back. He's returning on a marvelous and yet an awesome day. And we live right now under the shadow of that day. It should have a direct influence on our everyday routine. We need to be ready. Amen. And amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we have known for a long, 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 long time that Jesus is coming back. Those words didn't surprise many of us this morning. We've sung about it, thought about it. And then we've gone on and lived our life as if it weren't true. Father, change us. And if, Lord, we're unable to change everything all at once, change us little by little, one thing at a time. That first our spirit and then our mind and our body and our neighborhoods and our world might be getting prepared for your return. Lord, we do want you to return. Father, you know how much I'm looking forward to being with Jan and with Aaron. But Father, come quickly. If it were this hour, come quickly. If it were this day or this week, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because all of the joys of this world and all the thrills of relationships in this life only give us a slight hint of life with you forever. Oh, Lord, come quickly. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.